Hi, and welcome to today's session of uh, The Library is Open. Today we have joining with us uh, Spencer Smith from McKinney Public Library, uh, myself, Jessica Zaro, and Nate Carullo. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, Spencer. So thanks for joining us today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am the director of the McKinney Public Library System in McKinney, Texas, which is uh, north of Dallas. Um, I've been here for a little over two years. Uh, before that, I was with Little Elm, which is in the same area. I was there for a few years. Uh, and I've also worked for venture capital firms and larger systems throughout my career. Um, I am from Texas. Uh, it's great, but I've lived all over too. So uh, that's my professional background. Nice. So you've worked with more than just McKinney with Koha, Little Elm. Tell us about your decision-making process. Um, well, when I, when I got to Little Elm, we were on a different system, a proprietary system. Um, mm -hmm. I was n not very happy with it in the quality of data extraction. Um, I'm a very data-driven person. I, I need information before I make a decision. I, I, I can just make stuff up, but I try not to be arbitrary. <laughs> and I couldn't get, yeah, I, I couldn't get that from, from the system we had. Um, and, and so I remember, I believe it was Nate actually at a library conference. I was looking around, um, not getting a whole lot out of the exhibit floor. And then I stumbled across uh, Nate, who's got it up on a, on a PC. And I'm like, well, this is what I want to do. And I start walking away and Nate's like, no, we can do that. Uh, so <laughs> I was able to actually see it and get in. And then he sent the proposal and everything clicked from there. And, uh, you know, I was a, a believer from pretty close to day one. Um, on what it did and it was so much better than what we had before and and we were starting fresh and it was it was uh it was a great great tool for me to have um especially with the smaller library um that didn't have the resources necessarily to go out and do a lot of major third-party vendors and things like that to get things where we needed them uh, and then when i came over to mckinney uh, we were on a proprietary platform as well and some of the staff here wasn't happy with the customer service and uh, I said, well, I, I was working with a company that had great customer service. Um, why don't we look into to what it would take, you know, to, to make a change and what the benefits are, pluses and minuses. And then, you know, a little while later and, and some long conversations, uh, decided to go with Koha again. Nice. Excellent. So besides Koha, Spencer, have you used any other open source products or prior to Koha? Uh, did you have experience um, with any open source? I, you know, there's like office products, open office, things like that. Uh, Koha was my first time uh, really professionally kind of investing in open source uh, for the workplace. Yeah. Uh, not just finding out what I could get to use for free at home. <laughs> um, but, uh, but since then, you know, we do have a process that, you know, if we're going out for something new, we do make sure that we look at what open source options there are. Awesome. So I assume that you see some, some big advantages for libraries in utilizing an open source solution. Um, you know, what, what are some of the big advantages that you would see? Well, with, with Koha specifically, the community um, is great. It's so much better than what I'd experienced on proprietary products. Um, the fact that if we want something changed, added, uh, tweaked, we can work with the community and someone else might already be doing it on their own little little system and it solved the problem, or that maybe we're the only people who want to do it, 
but once we say, hey, what about this? Everybody else is like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And so we can work as a community to come together and solve the problem. Uh, and there's money involved sometimes, but sometimes it's just uh, a passion product for people. And so they, uh, they'll help out and want to figure out a way to make it better. There's, there's more of an ownership of the product by the users. Um, that kind of takes us right into our next question. So recently we've noticed a trend with a lot of libraries reaching out to us and asking us about working with third party vendors to analyze their data about their collection, you know, what's being used, what's not being used, things like that. And generally we'll set up a report in Koha, extract data that Koha has so they can see how many holds, checkouts, renewals, you know, these items have, and then it gets sent off to a third-party vendor, for example, Collection HQ. Um, on our listserv, where we're talking about the open source community where people can share ideas, this was one of the hot items. And Spencer, you shared what you've developed in your system to get those same results. So talk to us a little bit how that happened. Did you work with Collection HQ first and then decide to, you know, analyze the data on your own or did you approach this from a different direction uh from a different direction okay. uh, it, my my first kind of need to understand the data behind collection management was i was in uh the fort worth library system just as a librarian one and i had a, a small amount of money to spend on my collection and my branch to make it uh to fill holes and, and get what people wanted but i had to know that there's a difference between what people want and what I have experienced people asking for, because a lot of people don't ask, they just don't get it, or it checks out and you never see because they know where it is. Um, and so I used to run some basic SQL reporting in the system that Fort Worth had. Um, and then when, again, when I got to Little Elm, I wasn't able to do that. Uh, I, I had no ability to do that. And the other thing I, I didn't have was money. When I got to Little Elm, we were operating at around $8 per capita. Um, yeah. And at that level, you can't afford a collection HQ, yeah. uh, for example. And it's not a knock on their business model. They're just not set up to, to sell to libraries that operate on $8 per capita. It's, right. it's not, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and so I, you know, tried to recreate some of the, the numbers I used. And, and then I, you know, really got into it. And the fact that, uh, you know, benefit of open source, at least with Koha, that I didn't mention is I can see the whole schema, right? So I can go in and even if I don't know uh, how to access it because I don't know the the terminology and the and the taxonomy, I can actually go in there and figure it out. Uh, it, coupled with the reports library that's also available, uh, so I can I had a starting block to uh, to go from, and then I could just grab pieces and, and manipulate and. And also with the support from Bywater, if I broke anything, they could fix it and make it work, which was also very helpful. Um, and so, so I was able to kind of say, well, how much data do I want? Um, and then it ended up I wanted a lot. Uh, the the other thing we had there when you when you operate on that low dollar figure is uh, by the end of my time there, we had forty thousand dollars annually for our book budget to serve thirty three thousand people. Um, wow. And you can't, yeah, you can't do that with arbitrary decision making. You can't do that going by your gut. You have to kind of know that what you're going to get is going to check out, and it's going to check out X number of times a year. Otherwise, you know, you're wasting money. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to grow. So I developed uh, 
kind of the very basic report um, that uh, I did send out on that the the partners uh, listserv where I just kind of broke it down by collection code and then figured out with the collection codes you know versus how much we have of them how often are they moving you know is it is it carrying its own weight for the yeah. library and then uh, there are a lot that aren't you know we had certain sections that were circulating uh, massive amounts but we we only had a few of them. So we figured out, you know, hey, now we get to have some data to show us where we should put our money, where we shouldn't. And we saw um, large increases in circulation over the years I was there. Uh, and a big part of that I, I attribute to just being able to pull the data out and smartly, uh, you know, assess where we should spend our, our limited budget. It's fascinating. So um, I'm actually, I have one of the reports sent up. Um, that, was, that you shared with the list and it basically has all of the collection codes um, written out and then you have how many that you have your holdings and what the circ is and for example I'm looking at one where it's like juvenile fiction right that has a high um, yeah yeah um, easy reader fiction of course you know we see in those um, picture books. So do you get together with your librarians on a monthly basis and look at this data together? Or do you have like a team of individuals that do that? No, we, we distribute uh, in McKinney, we distribute selection uh, through all uh, librarians. Okay. So everybody's got uh, responsibility for, for materials collection. So I do share this on a monthly basis. Uh, and, and you'll also notice one of the columns there is the annual turnover rate. So this is a monthly report, and so that just extrapolates if every month was as busy as this month, this mm -hmm. is what this select, this collection would turn over. Um, so the, the one top of the list is, uh, or sec, let's go second, because the top is a special collection for us. Okay. You have adult biographies. So system-wide, uh, or at, at our branch library, adult biographies would turn over an average of 6.14 times uh, if every month was as busy as October. Luckily, other months are much busier, uh, but yeah. uh, we know our we know our goal as a system is to reach 10. 10, 10 turnovers our goal, uh, kind of medium term goal. Yeah. So we're saying, you know what, biographies aren't doing it. Adult biographies are only getting six, but you know, as a system, is that okay because it's made up for by adult Blu-rays or by you know early reader fiction? Um, and we see. You know, in some things and biographies, uh, particular, have this superstars category, which just means that's a big gap between the size of the collection percentage and the percentage of circulation. Mm -hmm. And so, the when that gap is a is large and the negative, meaning that it takes up much more shelf space than it circulates, that means there's a problem with that collection somewhere. Yeah. Uh, either there's there's too much of it, it's dated, um, it's the wrong stuff. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean don't spend money there. It just means, hey, look at this much more closely to figure out what kind of money you need to spend there. Are you spending too much? Are you not spending enough in the right sections? Um, and then I have it broken down by branch also in that report um, to do the same, same thing. And then we look at it holistically for the system. So when you look at a, a section like adult nonfiction um, and you see that there's a big gap and it's not turning over very much. Why is that? And then you look and you say, well, um, you know, the average date of publication is, you know, 2001. So everything is 17 years old. Maybe that has something to do with it. And you, you get to dig in with some of those other reports. 
and uh, and see what there is. And then easy reader fiction, just they just throw money at it, just buy ten more copies of everything because we haven't gotten close to meet demand. So it goes both ways. Fascinating. Have you talked to other libraries about this and um, or, or worked with other libraries? Um, I, I I have. I'm part of a, a group that's um, it's public library administrators in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh-huh. and I've shared this with them and and helped them. Uh, you know that that sounds arrogant. I didn't help them do it. Just explained it to them like I explained it to you. Yeah. And I don't know if they're using it. Some of them are Collection HQ members and uh, or, or customers. Yeah. And uh, and so they've you know they've seen it and you know I think they they maybe like the aspect that it's a one button push thing and they don't have to think about it uh, too much. For me, I want to know what that calculation is because I don't necessarily know that their calculation makes sense for our location. So with this, I can get my data out and I can calculate it in a way that I can understand and I can explain and I can tweak if I need to. Yeah. Um, and then I, when I shared it on the list, I had a few other libraries, uh, or at least staff from other libraries contact me and kind of ask, you know, how it worked and, you know, what if this and, and tweak it. So, um, and I, I also presented some of the basic stuff to a, a Kansas group via Skype um, a couple of years ago. Um, it was funny because I actually wasn't on Koha at the time. It was before we, we'd migrated. So I had to use little yeah. own data uh, export into spreadsheets to kind of show them what to do. Cool. So let me ask this, Spencer. Do you use purchase suggestions? And does does that tie into anything? We, we do use purchase suggestions. Um, okay. We have always, even under the old system, we had a purchase suggestion uh, form. And it was used, but we never really notified them because it wasn't okay. automated. Uh, so now we notify them. We do use them. Um, we also use the hold ratio. Um, yeah, the report. That's a very powerful feature for us. Yep. And we we make sure that we try to put in records uh, three months out from publication so that we can analyze the hold ratio before publication so we can up the purchase number on of copies. Um but the purchase suggestions go through, and we, we have a pretty good track record of getting them. We can't get everything. Uh, a lot of stuff is just an interlibrary loan candidate. Um, just, you know, one person is going to want that book a year, and that doesn't meet our threshold uh, for what we need. Uh, but typically, we find if we get something uh, that we missed in the selection process, that some, one person asking for it in a city of 170,000 people means that there are many more people who want it. They just didn't ask. Fascinating. So let me come back to this where you mentioned that um, you enter in bib records three months in advance for something that's coming out. Because Koha allows you to place holds on items with an on-order status, if you get, what, maybe like 15 holds on it, is that what, like, what's your, what's your holds well, for you that you decide? It changes by uh, material type, by item type. So for for print books, we typically, believe it or not, we try to go down to a four to one ratio. Wow. Okay. Uh, because we wanna we wanna keep the percentage of items that ha- are waiting on hold for more than thirty days. We wanna keep that well below fifteen percent of our total holds. Yeah. So we want to make sure people aren't waiting. Because if you ask me if I put something on hold and I'm waiting over a month for it, I forgot I put it on hold. Mm-hmm. 
so we want to make sure that number and four is kind of where we've we've set now and we've kind of blown that 15 percent out of the water but the stuff is still going it's still checking out yeah. um for dvds uh it's it's seven to ten depending on you know if it's part of a series if it you know if there's high demand coming in and, and where we are quite honestly in the ordering cycle yeah. um, if we've got money well we may up that number um and then ebooks and audiobooks you know that's almost a case-by-case basis because if the ebook costs ninety dollars we can't go to a four to one ratio it doesn't yeah it doesn't make any sense yeah <laughs> um, right so uh and and we do count, uh, we try to count ebooks as one of those four to one ratio numbers. Uh, it's, it's a little subjective at that point. Um, but we, yeah, the, so the, the ability in Koha just to click on that, uh, that holds queue or uh, hold ratio number and not even have to think that anybody can go in and do that at any time. Uh, and then they can see before they place their order, is there anything else I need to order right now? Awesome. Boy, I mean, Spencer, I could talk about this for hours. I find this fascinating. Um, you should totally think about presenting at one of the Koha conferences, Koha-Con in 2018 in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. My arm twisted to go to Portland and, and try all of their breweries, which I believe were listed in the in the the things about where to go, like in the yeah. local information. That, that, might, that might not be so hard to convince me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we like to make sure the Koha users are properly equipped for the for the conference. You know? <laughs> yeah. They need to have all yeah. the information at their disposal. Well, and and like you said, we could talk forever. This report just breaks the surface. What uh, coming to McKinney, I have some really talented staff uh -huh. here who were able to get in and 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 work with some Bywater staff to create you know very specific reports. So we can run a report of all of our fiction that actually has science fiction in the 655 line. Uh, of the mark record so we can see where things are miscategorized and yeah. we can we can get really we can also do that with the state of texas if we ever wanted to say hey what's all of our texas stuff do we have enough what's the date we can get really specific on that stuff uh on demand so yeah what is your like blue bonnet is that the name of your like uh, yeah the award winner yeah. blue bonnet section yeah so the uh there are a few texas awards um the that uh, the blue bonnet and the two by two and there's actually some teen ones too and okay. and some two by twos are picture books they're signed by school by yeah. teachers to read all the two by twos and so we actually found that we weren't meeting demand on those so we ended up like doubling the number of copies we were getting um yeah that's see uh, i'm in florida ours is the sunshine state readers and i'd be yeah. i would be fascinated to know like how many students parents are coming to the library to get those versus just going out and purchasing them like I'd, lo I'd love to see where the demand was on that yeah and i i don't exist well in an environment where i can't have that question answered so yeah i'd, I'd have to know yeah yeah spencer awesome so uh for fun what's your next big project in the library um well we just finished our five-year plan uh, and that includes getting a mobile library vehicle. So that's the next big project. Nice. Uh, the next project involving this data more specifically is genrefying uh, the adult fiction. We have a few broken out. You can see we have science fiction and mystery, but they're not that accurate. And we probably want to break out romance or, or uh, further break out romance or break out, uh, you know, thrillers or African-American novel uh, authors, things like that, that we want to be able to do. Um, using some of this data and then track it even more at more of a granular level. Cool. Awesome.
You reading anything good right now? Um, I am actually going back through uh, Terry Pratchett stuff, reading all of the uh, Nightwatch novels. Uh, so that's taken me a while, but it's it's enjoyable. Excellent. Well, awesome, Spencer. This has been um, really rewarding talking to you and kind of hearing about what you're doing there in McKinney and, and working with some of this analysis on the data. Um, thank you for sharing that with us today. Uh, no problem. No problem. I feel like a, like a, a missionary with some of this stuff sometimes. I just want to get the word out. So. I love it. Awesome. All awesome. Right. Preach on. Right, well, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Fabulous. Spencer, have a great day. Nate, thank you. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, we'll see you next time on the Libraries Open podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks, Spencer. Bye-bye.